This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back. Week eight. The bye week. We've been waiting for this for what seems quite a while now. And we finally made it. Made it. 7-0 with the bye. No stress this weekend, boys. We're here. We control our own destiny. But Jesus Christ. They had to stress us out to get to this game, huh? Yep, they can't. Uh, they can't let us have a week off. I guess. Um, I I just wanted to know: Did anyone not expect this to happen at some point during the season? So, kind of. My biggest fear in life, besides breaking news of a nationally ranked quarterback possibly in <laughs> school and then being wrong are deer because deer are unpredictable. So I was thinking about that when I was driving today. Uh, Rhode Island and Massachusetts don't have many deer, uh, at least where I live. So then I was thinking, if deer can't be my fear anymore, it would be losing to an ACC opponent like Pitt or even even Northwestern. So really, this week my whole my biggest fear really all hit all at once. So there's that. And I I expected some drama, but from a Northwestern, from a USC, not from Pitt. Um, I mean, sorry, I was just finishing up some some notes. Uh, nothing like getting the pre-show notes done uh, three minutes into the show. Um. Yeah, I just I knew this was coming at some point. You can it, it and you can handpick the teams. It was going to be um the only teams that this was possible against the teams that we unequivocally should beat that we're going to struggle with. It was either going to be Pittsburgh because they always play us tough. It's possibly going to be Navy. We're traveling west for that. It's the triple option. They're they're a bitch-made offense, but we should still be able to beat them. But, you know, for one reason or another over the past decade, Ken Niamatololo has definitely improved the program. Got to give him props. Um, And the only other game that we should win by 21, but we're probably going to lose, is when I am in the stadium in New York City for at, at Yankee Stadium. Because it, it, it works. And be wrong. I mean, we're seven and zero. We've done the hard part. The sky is. I, I'm op, I'm optimistic in the fact that I think that the playoffs and obviously twelve and zero is is going to happen. But anyone who's followed my Twitter feed for longer than seventeen seconds knows that I know that the loss is coming, and I, it's terrifying, and. Wow. Not- I I expected a tough game. I absolutely expected a tough game against Pittsburgh. So I truthfully, this didn't let me down because it, I, going into this, I was just like, well, I mean, I, it was it was the third quarter. I was like, well, we're pretty much exactly what I expected. And my friend actually, who who always hits me up for Notre Dame betting advice, he was like, how do you feel about twenty one? And I said, you would be an idiot with a twenty one point spread not to take Pitt. 
I said, we are at best going to win this game by two touchdowns. And one of those touchdowns is coming in the last five minutes of the game, which I was for the most part, correct. And now there could be a lot of mitigating factors due to this midterms were this week, as we all know. Um, and they have to be up till 2 a.m. doing midterm shit. They may have overlooked Pitt, looking at the bye week. Um, Pitt has a good defense, surprisingly. But their offense was not there. They have one 10-minute drive and the first play of the third quarter, and that's all the scoring they did. Legitimately, all the scoring they did were in two drives. Oh, yeah. Our, our defense was... Completely and utter, I can't say completely and utterly dominant. We did let them relatively deep into our territory twice, but uh, then again, nobody can kick in Notre Dame Stadium except for Justin Yoon. So thankfully, you know, we 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 made it out alive. Dylan, what are your what are your thoughts? You seem to be the most calm out of all of us, especially leading up to the third quarter when the sky was falling and we had a bunch of chicken littles running around in our group chat. Uh, you're saying everything's fine, and that 99-yard kick return happens, and uh, it got bleak for a second there. But you, you seem to be ever the optimist. Uh, must be a Canadian thing. Yeah, it could be. I mean, you guys kind of stole most of my points to start with, but uh, I'll kind of go through them. I actually have a few positives from the game. I know it was ugly, but there were some there were some good things to take away. Um, so first things first, Pitt played actually really good. It wasn't just Notre Dame being bad. Pitt, Pitt defensively got a lot of pressure on the quarterback, uh, and they covered us well, but couldn't really make those throws. So you got to give some credit to Pitt there. Um, next, I want to say that, hey, look, we found a way to win the game without a run offense. So we had was maybe less than three runs per carry, yards per carry. Um Book won it with his arm at the end, and that's what we needed. So I think we showed that we have the ability to win a game throwing the ball. So that that that's nice to know as well, that we don't – when we face good defenses and they stop our run, we can still win a game. So I saw some good things there. Also, I said um, our D was hashtag stout, um, 242 yards allowed only, um, which is really, really good. Uh, and we only gave up seven points. Uh, another seven was on a kick return. Um, like Steve said, they did get into our territory twice, but kickers can't kick at Notre Dame. I said this weeks ago, and it's true. Um, they stood their ground, and most importantly, I think, in the fourth quarter when we were making that comeback, they stayed their ground. They didn't allow them to score on them. So we got to give credit to our defense. Um, but there are negatives, obviously, like you guys I'm sure will touch on. Our offensive line was brutal. Um, pass blocking, run blocking, a lot of problems there. One of them, I, I must say, wasn't the offensive line, and I actually tweeted this out. Um, Avery Davis missed quite possibly the worst blitz pickup I've ever seen in my entire life. He, It's like he did not know that he was actually blocking. Now – Yes, that's all very true. But you've got to figure out these blitz pickups. I mean, going into Navy, Northwestern, Florida State, Syracuse, USC, that's not going to be an easy five defenses. Florida State may have more holes in a synth, but at the same time, you need to figure out these simple defensive 
who weren't doing anything crazy. They were blitzing the friggin' edge rusher, the outside linebacker. Right? And, it, it's and to, a point, to a point they did, because that's what eventually led to the Chase Claypool right. touchdown, was, was those uh, changes that needed to be done. But why is it taking until, like, what, two minutes left in the third quarter to make those adjustments? And they were they were really confusing book at the line of scrimmage. Um, you saw that where he didn't know really where to throw the ball for a lot part of the game. Um, also, his long ball was not really great, and that's a little bit of a concern because we saw that in Virginia Tech as well. Um, but yeah, I agree. We got to be better at picking up blitzes. Um, but I'm not too worried because we've been so good in recent weeks where I'm not going to let this one uh, kind of ruin it for us. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with you guys. And just real quick going off the basic offensive line principles, a lot of their pass game is predicated on hat on the hat. Uh, so, you know, I believe Pitt was rushing three on the defensive line, which leaves either your guards or your tackles, depending on how the stunt is, to pick up that extra man. And that's where you really see the bars missing. Uh Having the the tackle, I know this is an audio podcast, so our listeners can't see this. But the uh, the end or the tackle who's playing outside and like a five ten seven ten slant in with the linebacker looping around outside, that is an easy you me call with the guard and tackle, and it seems to be missing. And the youth of the offensive line was shown uh, during this game, so that that's just something I noticed. Um, I took. I was actually very calm, relatively speaking, during this game. I only took two laps. Mm. One, I sat on my balcony after <laughs> the interception. Um, I just sat there. And the other one, I walked to my garbage trash compactor, and I called my grandpa because we both were in the same boat. So, you know, props to me um, for not freaking out too much. Uh, during the game, I did breaking news make the jersey switch to the Jeff Samarja Golden Green uh, eighty three. Speaking so, speaking of, look what just came in the mail today. Oh, we got the the what's that? The uh, Greg Bryant number one. Yeah, R I P. Rest in peace. But that's great jersey there. Also, um, going off of that, I. We can touch more on the pit game. There's really not a lot to say. They won. It was ugly, but all all teams win ugly. Ohio, yeah, Minnesota by two scores. Do you know the saying? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. We're gonna be Superman by the end of the season. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I think that game really does a lot for Notre Dame because we got the can you win from behind late in the game out of the way. We know how to do this now. Even though it was against Pitt, we struggled for three quarters. We found a way to win a game with pressure on us um, against a team we were struggling with. So I know it was ugly, but I think this will help us in the long run. I agree. And uh, just to jump right into the four horsemen. Before we did so, uh, I did have a handful of points I did just want to point out from my notes today. Yeah. Um, If you have any points, throw them out there. Uh, Perfect. Last point is I survived. First and foremost, this is the most, uh, Brian Kelly said this is the most uh, missed calls that they've ever sent in uh, for review, like ever. Um, They sent in a reported eight missed holding calls. 
So a lot of the offense that was generated from Pitt was on like just blatantly missed holding calls. So hopefully if we don't get like absurdly biased ACC refing for the rest of the year, maybe that can also make a marked difference. Um, let's see. Uh, Ian Book, shout out. He's our QB. Uh, you know, he comp- completed 26 of 32 um, passes, which was 81.25%. He is the first quarterback in Notre Dame history through his first four starts to average over 70% of passing on his, in a, through his first four uh, games. So he's, uh, he threw two, one bad interception. Uh, the other one was tipped uh, in that way. It didn't make it to the proper receiver. So the second interception was not as bad. Um, but yeah, so he did throw two interceptions, but he also only missed like six passes. Um, let's see what else here is in my notes. Uh, Ian Book did look good when he aired it out to Miles Boykin, obviously for the game-winning touchdown. That was that ball traveled 41 yards through the air, and it was a dart. It was like right on him, right over the defender. So he he wasn't great all game. I'll absolutely give you that, Dylan. But there was that improvement when uh, when it came down to crunch time. So it's good to see he has that in the arsenal. Um, my next note simply says Dante Vaughn sucks. Um. <laughs> And then my two final notes, uh, just shout outs of, of two massive plays that ultimately ended up being difference makers. So shout out to Chris Fink uh, and also on an unbelievable throw by book. It was second and 23. Uh, we were kind of in no man's land at the mi- middle of the field. So if we had gone you know, three and out, then it would have likely ended up being a, a, you know, too long for a field goal and a, kind of a really crappy place to punt. But um, Chris Fink, you know, with like a 25 yard catch on second and 23 that sets up the eventual, uh, chase Claypool touchdown pass, uh, like two or three plays later. And also on the defensive side of the ball. And, and we're going to absolutely get into this guy in a, in probably a minute. I would imagine if we get into the four horsemen, uh, Julian Aquara had his one tackle for a loss on the day. It was third and three. He does play the weak side defensive end, which in our system is the drop end. So he's not going after the quarterback all of the time. Every once in a while, he will drop in coverage. And he did drop perfectly on a third and three. They tried to swing pass out to the left. He absolutely lit up the running back. He didn't move an inch forward. Uh, Ended up being like a tackle for a loss of threes, forcing fourth and six. They punted the very next drive, ends in a touchdown by Chase Claypool, which basically was the game winner. So um, shout out to the guys making the plays at the right points in time and to all the other stats that I uh, just put put forward. So shout out me. Thank you. Good job, Steve. Bill, any last uh, thoughts? Yeah, it was kind of funny. My stream cut out on me in the middle of that play, so I missed the Okwara huge third down stop. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Well, hold, hold up. Stream? You're not watching it on television? No, I don't have television. I'm a university student. I watch on Reddit. Jesus Christ, Dylan. <laughs> All right. Um, and also piggybacking off what Steve said, um, Book was really only liable for one of those picks. The other one would have been a touchdown had a defender not made a beautiful play to kind of to kind of get an arm on him. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of said all my points, and uh, that's it for me. Uh, so moving forward, four horsemen. 
we've been doing this every week. Every week it's an adventure. Um, really, I think this week we kind of said said our piece about the four. Um, just going through mine quickly. The stats are already out there, not to rehash them. Uh, number four, Julian Poir. I think he is a big-time player, making big-time plays. Um, number three for his special teams play this week, Alohi Gilman. Um, I've been big on him all season, which is probably the most right I've been about a Notre Dame player in quite a while. Uh, he's just a rocket. And he he's such a good tackler. He's going to do damage against Navy. Um, two, Ian Book. And uh, one, Miles Boykin. He, he makes catches when he needs to. And silently, he had a good game in a game where the strat was swollen. So there are my four for this week. Uh, my fourth was Ian Book. Uh, again, it, you know, 26 out of 32, 81%. Incredible. Um, you know, did tuck the, the ball down and run a few times when he should have passed. Um, uh, did throw one bad interception. One interception was mi- mildly his fault at best. So overall really decent game, uh, except going forward, we don't need decent games from Ian book. We need great games. So, uh, he is the fourth horseman out of four. Just want to make sure that he can uh, hear this and say, you know what, I got to step my game up and pull the trigger when it counts. Uh, next up, Dylan, your guy, uh, Chase Claypool, uh, you know, sparked things in the, uh, what was it, late in the third when he did score his touchdown, you know, uh, five catches, 61 yards. So uh, obviously very happy for our neighbor for the North. Um, second, uh, second horseman was Jalen Elliott, you know, four tackles and a pass defended. More than anything, he's just had really, really great positioning. Get it in, getting his hands on the ball recently uh, over the past uh, two or three weeks, and he's been laying the lumber uh, when he does have the opportunity. So he's a big hitter, and I think he's really starting to come into his own with his positioning. And that's going to, I think, put him in the spot eventually to really start making some game-breaking uh, you know, turnovers or, or plays in general. So uh, very high on Jalen Elliott, and I think he's he been one of the most inconsistent people you know, during his tenure at, at, at Notre Dame, and he's quickly, uh, this season, particularly in the last three to four weeks, he's making the change uh, necessary. So I, I really am impressed with his growth. And then number one, obviously, Julian Aquara. Uh, six tackles, one for loss. He did have a pass defended. Uh, again, I, I, you know, just going back to before, that one tackle for loss ended up, uh, you know, was on third down, did set up a punt, which led to the game-winning touchdown drive. And he had eight quarterback hurries. I mean, he was just a monster off the edge. He was incredible. Love him. Love him. Love Khaled Kareem. Love Jerry Tillery or Terry Gillery, whichever you wanted to go with. Um, yeah, great team. It was an unbelievable defensive showing. Special teams needs to step it up. But overall, happy with the performance. Wasn't anything that was not expected at some point in the season. We knew this was coming, and if ever there was a team to, that was going to c- come in and cause trouble, it would be Pitt because that they just that's how they play. So... Um, I was upset, but it was also not completely unexpected, but this is definitely a great growth uh, and learning moment for us, which, which was an excellent point by you, Dylan. And that's pretty much all I have to say from here on out. Go Irish.
All right, so my fourth horseman um, is Khaled Kareem. For a second week, he made it. Um, I thought he was pretty good. He was all over the place, got a sack, got a, a tackle for loss. So I liked him. My number three, my boy, my neighbor, my blood brother, Chase Claypool. He had a monster of a game, five receptions, 61 yards, and a huge touchdown at a pivotal point of the game. Um, I thought he was excellent. So good job for big number 83 there. Um, and then two, um, again, Miles Boykin. He's cracking my top four often. Um, he had a huge game with a game-winning touchdown. Um, he was averaging 21 yards per reception, just a huge game. He's, he's almost, you know, impossible to defend at times, especially when Book is throwing him the ball. Um, and number one, um, like Steve, it's Oguara. Um, it was fantastic. Um, Steve kind of went over the stats. Um, so I don't need to touch on them again, but you know, he came up big. Um, he was all over the place. He was pressuring the quarterback. So he got my number one. Awesome. So I think we are pretty much, uh, all within the same realm. Uh, really these four horsemen, you're seeing the same players every week. And I think that's awesome. Uh, if it was really a different season, like last season, it'd be a whole cluster of trying to figure out who's who, but, um, Going from there, looking at the schedule of the teams that we played and will play uh, moving forward, uh, our opponent went five and three on the weekend with four buys. Uh, going through real quick, Michigan put a beating on uh, Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin may be, like you said, one of the more overrated teams uh, in college football. Uh, Ball State beat Central Michigan. First, I'm hearing of it. 44-23 helps our strength of schedule. Vanderbilt uh, gave Florida a scare. Is Vanderbilt legit? No. Definitive. Uh, by week for Wake. Stanford by week. Virginia Tech beat UNC. Again, helping our strength of schedule there. 22-19. Interesting. Uh, Pittsburgh obviously lost, uh, Navy, they, last weekend was the 13th, correct? Yeah, or, they lost to Tulane, I bet on them. Tulane? Hmm. Because my, my, what you call it, my schedule here isn't showing that. Uh, looks like they lost to Temple. Am oh, I right, Temple. Temple, I got my T's mixed up, my bad. Yeah, Temple, Tulane, uh, Temple 24-17. Uh, moving forward from there, Northwestern. Uh, they beat Nebraska. Poor, Who hasn't? Poor Nebraska. 34-31. Uh, Florida State, bye week. And Syracuse. Bye week, though? Pardon? Did Florida State lose to the bye week? They may have. I mean, yeah, coming no, off, they have Wake Forest, Clemson, NC State, and then ND. Yeah. Charlie Strong's in a world of hurt. Um, even against Wake Forest, if that, that could be just a – an interesting game there. And then finally, USC beat Colorado 31-20. Uh, so right now, Notre Dame is 7-0. Our opponents are 43-33 and on the year. Their remaining opponents are 16-14. and uh, So really with that, there was a stat out there that Notre Dame has one of the strongest remaining strength of schedules in the country. Uh, which I thought was interesting because everyone's saying that they don't. Uh, we'll really get into that in the next podcast. Uh, I'm not sure quite about that. I do know they have the number two rated strength of record, 
which is a stat yeah. based on how would teams do your position, Ohio State being number one. Although I don't really like that stat because Notre Dame has a better resume than Ohio State at this point, if you ask me, based on quality wins. But that's a debate for another time. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. Um, I'm just looking for that stat as we talk right now. But, you know, if you look at the strength of schedule and strength of record and you can – you skin a goose multiple ways, it's all going to be the same dead goose. So if you're going to beat the dead horse or the dead goose, if we're continuing this analogy here, um, it, it doesn't really matter. If ND's 12-0, they're getting in. Uh, it's interesting to see if UCF goes 12-0 or even 13-0 uh, with their win, do they get in because they are power five? I, I don't know. I think Notre Dame has a better strength of record then UCF, I don't think UCF has played very many top-caliber teams. No, the only situation where UCF would get in would be like last year, um, where they would sneak in as the four seed if there's a bunch of one-loss teams, um, where they would basically not want to make the same mistake as last year. Uh, even then, I don't think they get in. I mean, I, I kind of tweeted out an ideal scenario where they do get in. Uh, we'd play them in the semifinal. But and, uh, I don't think they're it's- not going to get past USF. USF is going to land base. Cincinnati too. They got to play Cincinnati as well. And they're back to back, back, to back weeks. I their November sucks. Temple, Navy, Cincinnati, and USF. Good luck with that. That is a not an easy schedule to end the year on. And um, you know, we'll talk about that more next week. We'll talk about scenarios and see how everything plays out. But uh, one thing that I wanted to touch on before we ended. Uh, as a fan base, we are all are pretty superstitious. Uh, I thought it'd be fun to talk about our two superstitions, at least what we have. Um, so, Dylan, what are your some of your game day superstitions? Um, I used to be really superstitious, only about Notre Dame, though. Nothing else. I'm not that kind of person. Um, I've kind of dropped it in recent years um, just because it's not rational. <laughs> And I like to think I'm a rational person, but um, I definitely had some some uh, game day superstitions that were crazy. Um, so about 30 minutes before kickoff, I'd play this customized playlist that starts and ends with the fight song. You know, the alma mater's in there, shipping up to Boston. You, you got all those, the victory clog, everything. And then I would pretend I was running out of the tunnel um, when I would go upstairs to watch the game. So, um, when I was at Notre Dame in 2012, I bought a play like a champion today sign and I used to hit it and run and go to the TV. Um, I still do that a little bit. Um, you know, I kind of hit it twice, swipe the champion. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think I always wear my Montana Jersey, um, and a hat. Um, I tend to watch the game alone, although this year my friend's been with me for most of them. So, that's a welcome, but as soon as we lose, you're not allowed to come back. That's kind of my rule. You hear that, Canadian Canadian friend of Dylan's? You're out. Well, if, if they lose. But for now, he's good luck. Um, you're there every week then. Yeah, that's the way it goes. I usually like to sit at the edge of the coach, um, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. What do you got? Well, uh, before we go forward, I am a learned scholar of, uh, of history. American, if you will. Um, and Bertrand Russell, the famous uh, famous person who said these words, uh, said that fear is the main source of superstition. 
and one of the main sources of cruelty. To conquer fear is the beginning of wisdom. So really, I do these superstitions purely based out of my own fear. Um, as a kid, a little more superstitious. I'm still still there. Uh, beginning of the season, Mrs. Wagon uh, kind of hated me waking up on game day. So before I wake up, eyes open, I send out the tweet every week that you're tagged in. I find a random fact about the opponent, and I tweet it out. It could be that the Panther isn't at the top of the food chain, that the um, the lead character in Double Identity uh, was going to the Stanford reunion and was killed by his wife. Uh, just something random, because I don't like when people make Brian Kelly killed the kid jokes or Rudy were offside jokes. So I tried to get ahead of the game by making my own ridiculous statement. So I tagged all, all of you in that. And then for some reason, there's one fan on Twitter. I thought she dated one of the Notre Dame players back in the day. So the first game I tweeted, are you ready? And she would respond. So every week since, I've done that. Found out last week she goes to Clemson. Not even a Notre Dame fan. <laughs> oh, so that's the thing. But when all those tweets are said and done, I play the fight song. I broadcast it to my Google Home. And it plays throughout the house. I come out playing the victory, victory march and singing it at 8 in the morning. Um, from there, it's more game day stuff. I'll have one Bud Light uh, during the game. Um, sometimes, like last week, I had to break out the spiked seltzer uh, because I was stressed. I wear the shirt, green shirt, every week. Um, when push comes to shove, I may throw on a jersey if the game calls for it. Uh, that's really just a breaking case of last scenario. Uh, I'll only drink one beer during the game. It has to be above light. And then I'll sit on the edge of the couch. When things start going bad or I'm anxious, I'll stand up and start fidgeting. And what I've noticed is if I stand up during defensive drives and they start doing well, I don't sit down. Obviously, I have the chain, move the couch around. If you're on one part of the couch and they're not doing well, move to another part. So I do that too. Uh, but a lot of my things are more rooted in making sure I'm ready for the game rather than during the game itself, if that makes sense. I uh, I think you need to see a doctor. Um, <laughs> that, uh, a therapist? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's maybe no, obsessive-compulsive disorder. Uh, we'll have to check that out. But um, yeah, the I, I did uh, break uh, – so go ahead. The last thing, during every kickoff – that was my cat running through the screen. Uh, I will – and I did this when I played football – High school, college, I'll do the the circling of the finger, right? The whoa, go Irish, and do it twice, no matter what. Yeah, my team wasn't called the Irish. I did that. Yeah, I do. I do the same thing um, to be part of the uh, the, the game day tradition. So I go myself uh, off the crowd during a defensive play once <laughs> during the Pittsburgh game. I'm, I sit alone in my apartment, uh, so that's weird. Also, kind of a funny uh, funny thing, last real superstition I have, um, my friend's a Texas fan. We're in one of those Snapchat groups that you can do a live video on. 
Um, so when Texas was going to lose the game and they had to kick the field goal to win, uh, we went live on Snapchat at the end of the game to get a, a live reaction, and they won. So I went live this week at the end of the game with Pittsburgh driving, and they won. So right now my live reaction videos on Snapchat are 2-0, uh, for better or for worse. Well, I mean, if it works, man, whatever whatever gets us the W at the end of the day. But I used to be so bad where if we lost, it was my fault for doing something. And that's, oh, I've never gotten that far. I definitely think I could do more things. Yeah, no, I, I was bad. I and it came from it stemmed from a thing where none of my teams have won a title ever while I've been a fan of them. And so I just think I'm bad luck. So like for example, when I started cheering for the Red Sox, they started they went from winning the World Series to finishing last in the division. Oh wow. Um, so like I, I always felt it was me, um, which is you know rough for a kid. <laughs> um but uh yeah, I'm I'm trying to hold back on them. I think you got some good ones there. Your uh, your morning tweets are always good. I liked this week's one the most about the Panther, uh, because the Jaguar is the best animal of all time. Well, that's debatable. We'll talk about that next week. I, I could think of a couple more animals that are uh, higher up on the food chain. Yeah, well, that'll be a good one for sure. But uh, yeah, no, I, I I kind of enjoy listening to you being a little bit more crazy than me. Um, although I do pace around when the game gets interesting. It's not good. It's uh, it's ad- actively bad. And I'm going to the the Shamrock series uh, at Yankee Stadium, and I won't have enough room to pace. So. Right. I uh, it's not a superstition, but I'll edit Wikipedia pages to make sure they're accurate. Um, and that's kind of a thing that's been going back and forth for a while. Um, but yeah, no, we're we're crazy people. Um, I think that's kind of the nature of college football because you can't lose, or at least you can't lose more than once. So um, yeah, it's not like that for any other sport. For me, at least. I mean, my only other sport is rugby. So with that, it's um. If you want to talk about crazy traditions, I'll tell you one quick story about my rugby tradition. Uh, It was my sophomore year. So we're going, I graduated five years ago. We're going back eight years now. You were 13. Um, It was my first time ever playing rugby. I don't think a lot of people know this. So this is breaking about me. And I I went to a Catholic school. and right outside my dorm was the statue of uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh, so I thought that was cool. And before every rugby game, I would go out to the statue, pray, Catholic, and then write the game that we were playing, the opponent that we were playing on a rock, and just leave the rock there. This was the year we went to the national championship. Uh, for Division Three rugby, it was the first first time I've ever been to a national championship. Uh, so all year, same same situation. Write the name on the rock, put the rock there, uh, and we won every single game going up to the national championship. The two days before, we were slated to play in the national semifinal, and I, to be perfectly clear, I did not play in two thousand ten. At all, I was a, a sideline player. I was a, a come off come off the bench at best during a blowout, but I still love the team so much. Two days before we were slated to play the top team in the nation for a right to play in the national championship, 
I go out there, bus is getting ready to leave. We're going down to uh, Virginia Beach. And they got rid of the statue because they were moving it for cleaning. They got rid of all my rocks. There was nothing left, Dylan. Oh, no. Nothing. I had a panic attack. <laughs> and we lost in the national semifinal by a try, which is seven points with the conversion. Then next year, we ended up winning the national championship. That was all cool, well and cool, and I had to change up some of the superstitions I had. But let me tell you, that one time, I thought I, thought I was going to die. And it was a rough couple of hours, and we had to take a bus down to Virginia Beach, which is a pretty sizable commute. Wow. I mean, that's, that's almost unbelievable. And literally, it was there from September until April. They couldn't have waited like a couple more months to clean the statue. Boy, I guess they didn't like you abusing Mother Mary. I wasn't. I was putting the rock near her, like off to the side, whatever. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's all I got for this week. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's going to be a wild week of football. Just doing a real quick check. Um, looks like we're going to have to be fans of LSU, which I'm okay with. Yeah. Um, uh, really, other than that, Tennessee, hope for the best, go Vols. Uh, Clemson, NC State, would love to see the Wolfpack knock off Clemson there. And, um, you know, I'm even going to throw it out there. Let's go Pirates. Knock off UCF. Sure. Um, I think it's I'm, – I'm strategizing to keep Alabama out, so I'm almost hoping undefeated's – stay undefeated so Alabama can't get in. Um, but mm -hmm. for the sake of just oh, – I got it. That, that took, a, took a while for me to figure out. Yeah, so, no. If Alabama loses once, we need a bunch of undefeated. Um, although if we cheer for Alabama twice, then we can have pure anarchy um, to lose. Um, I mean, I, I'm okay with being a Tennessee fan. Uh, so. I mean, they're a terrible football team. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I'm Rocky Top. I think uh, we should probably reaffirm our Twitter statuses so people can uh, can find us because um, we haven't done that, I think, since week one. We haven't. You're right. Uh, so, yeah, whoever's listening, I know a lot of you are already on Twitter. Uh, shout out Tony Domimbo and Nick Bunsen, uh, Bunsen PD. Uh, they're our two biggest fans, uh, literally and figuratively. That wasn't a fat joke. You're just the biggest ones that we have. Um <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how far they get into this podcast. Um, love you, Tony. Love you, Nick. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, pwagon60. You can find us on um, the actual podcast where we post everything every week at Horseman Pod. Follow us on iTunes, subscribe, rate, uh, five star review. And then you can find Steve at Steve Campy. And Dylan, we can find you where? Dilly Dilly97. Follow us, talk to us. If you have any rumors about Notre Dame, we don't want to hear them. Uh, and that's all I need for this week. Uh, go Irish. Get some rest. Go Irish. <laughs>